0: Welcome to the Podcast of Podcasts, a podcast that takes a moment to talk to podcasters about podcasting. The music for the intro is Funkers by Crowander, and it's provided under the Creative Commons content license. Our guest today on the podcast is Dr. Mary Heddengren. Dr. Heddengren is a lecturer at the University of Houston, Clear Lake So, hi there, Dr. Heddengren. How are you today?
1: Uh, Doing medium. (laughs) We've got those uh, smoke coming in from California, so the air quality has been pretty bad.
0: Oh, I see. Well, I'm sorry about that. Hopefully, it clears up sometime in the near future, like today, (laughs) but it may not. Uh, It's quite a fire they've got going on out there. So, um, my podcast is... Uh, largely about podcasting. In case you hadn't noticed, it's called the podcast of podcast for a reason. All of my guests are podcasters. And so I like to get together and talk to them a little bit about podcasting itself. Uh, What is the name of your podcast?
1: So my podcast is called Mirror Rhetoric. And sort of our tagline is that it's for uh, beginners and insiders about the ideas, people and movements who have shaped rhetorical history
0: nice and um while other podcasts that i've seen are are in fact almost every interview i've done so far um is an interview based show uh, yours doesn't seem to be that, that at least not frequently um what is the the format of your show and what's the aim of your show
1: well um that's actually a good question and it ties into another question that uh you sent me ahead of time to think about um, So I'm I'm, going to bookmark that question, and I'll get back around to it. Uh, When I was an undergraduate, actually, I started listening to podcasts really regularly, and I was interested in rhetoric, but I couldn't find a rhetoric podcast that fulfilled a lot of the needs that I saw uh, for me as a listener that I liked in other podcasts. I love um, short podcasts. Uh, 15 minutes is kind of the upper limit for me for a lot of things. Um, I love podcasts that are really, you know, bite-sized information that you can take with you. And so because I was looking for something like that and I couldn't find it, I found a lot of, you know, long-form and, and interview-based podcasts that were pushing around 45 minutes. Um, I really wanted to create something that would be uh, short and accessible about a bus ride length. What's nice about 15-ish minutes or even eight minutes is if you have time, you can string together three or four um, if you're doing a workout or something, but it's short enough that if you have a commute that's about 10 minutes long, you can listen to about one episode as opposed to having a really long form podcast, something, you know, 30, 45 minutes that people would have to, you know, exit and come back into. So I wanted this to be really bite-sized.
0: Sounds like a very audience-based consideration
1: Well, because like I said, I was in some ways the audience. (laughs) I wanted to create something that would work for me um, and the way that I like to listen to podcasts and sort of fill that hole.
0: So where can we find your show?
1: Um, iTunes is probably the best way to find it. I also have you can go to our Libsyn website. Uh, You can just Google the words Mere Rhetoric. It actually pops up. I'm kind of surprised at that <laughs> uh, because it's not a extremely uncommon name, but yeah, it uh, it pops up when you Google us uh, or being us if you prefer, um, takes all sorts so and then you can uh, listen to us straight from the website there. It also has a transcripts, so if there's something that I say too quickly or if you just wanted to get the reference to something I said. Uh, you can find that in our show notes on the website as well.
0: Cool. So then here's the question that I find most interesting in my interview. I'm I'm giving everyone pretty much the same questions, but this is the one that, that really resonates with me. Um, Why podcasts? What is the reason that you began podcasting? What like the, the oral mode, what does it hold for you?
1: Yeah. Um, This is the one I really, I've thought a lot about. Like I said, uh I loved podcasts before I started recording a podcast. And um I loved how you could have somebody with you. It's sort of friendly. I love um hearing the voice of somebody and how they approach it. Uh I would go for a lot of walks listening to podcasts or audiobooks. Um I love to listen to the Monica Mute. I It just feels like you have somebody next to you, like a friend. And I think especially with mere rhetoric, I wanted to help people feel like they weren't alone in maybe being, you know, confused by Derrida or, um, (laughs) you know, angry at, you know, somebody else or, you know, all of this theory that it, that it was something human and that it's something that people feel like they can approach and have personal responses and reactions and connections to. And that it doesn't have to be something dry or intimidating. That it can be comfortable and personal. And I think that the mode of the podcast, being able to hear somebody's voice and sort of, I guess, the tone that I take in my podcast um, of trying to be friendly and approachable to people, I, I think it makes the, the information a lot more manageable. And so, yeah, uh, that's, that's definitely something that I, that I thought about consciously. Now, that being said, I think there's other ways to, to also uh, create that connection. I think there's nothing wrong with somebody, you know, writing a blog or, um, I just barely uh, worked on a, a book proposal. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that books can do great things, but I, I love the immediacy and the connection that a podcast
0: gives. So in the beginning, when you started doing your podcast, um, I'm sure that you got comments from peers, comments from friends, maybe even family. Um, What was the the nature of the comments then and how have they changed over time?
1: I don't know that the comments have changed a lot. I think what surprised me the most between then and now is the range of who's listening. Um, Like I said, I started this podcast kind of for me, <laughs> the podcast I would want to listen to. And I knew my mom would listen to it. You know, she's a English teacher too, uh, a retired now English professor. And, um, you know, I suspected maybe I could talk some of my other friends into listening to it. But in the past, like, I don't know, four or five years, I've been getting fan mail from um, Europe and Africa and East Asia And it's been really surprising to me because I kind of just, you know, you create the podcast and you sort of push it out into the ether and you don't really think that anybody is listening. Um, So it's always a huge thrill to be getting uh, fan mail. And especially from these far flung locations, um, the U.S. is really a huge center for, you know, rhetoric and composition research. Uh, it's still a bit of a novelty in certainly in the UK um, and in many European countries. Um, Hong Kong is pretty good about having some rhetoric, but there's, there's big swaths of the world where there just really isn't much academic study of rhetoric. And so it's really cool to be getting, for example, a couple of the emails that I got from West Africa. They said, you know, this is my introduction to rhetoric. This is how I'm learning what rhetoric even is. And so that's super cool to me that there could be people so far flung, people who are like almost the opposite of my English professor mom, um, who are reading it and listening to it and getting into it. I think also on the question of family and friends, I thought that only my rhetoric buddies would be into it. But I'm surprised when I run into somebody, I ran into somebody who is by profession, a graphic designer and he said, Oh my gosh, I love your podcast. And I'm like, do I, well, I can't believe you're listening to my podcast, but again, you know, it's kind of in the tagline. You know, I do want insiders to get something new out of it, but I also want to encourage people who maybe don't see themselves as students of rhetoric uh, to to appreciate it. And it's been really cool the conversations and the comments I've gotten from those, you know, quote unquote outsiders, as they you know learn how useful this stuff is. Um, I've gotten several comments about specifically the Stacey's. Of people saying, "Oh my gosh, this changed the way I have conversations with people I disagree with." And how cool is that? That people are having better conversations with, you know, their embarrassing uncle at Thanksgiving because of my podcast. Like that's crazy to me.
0: Yeah, I think the the uh, relevance of the topics that you have chosen, and and the warmth of your high moms together, <laughs> you put those things together, and I think it's very, uh, very. Um, accessible for, for a wide range of people. Um, speaking of topics, um, what is the passionate topic that you have not yet tackled, but you would really like to tackle? Um, and and would you need more time to do it or can you get it in 15 minutes? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, let me answer that question by first not answering it real quick. Uh, the, uh, magazine newsweek used to have a section where they asked famous authors, what book have you not read yet? And they asked that question once to the science fiction author, Orson Scott Card. And he said, what are you talking about? I'm practically unemployed. If there's a book I want to read, I read it. <laughs> uh, and I feel a little bit that way about fashion topics. I, you know, Nobody tells me what to do. It is, I mean, and that's part of podcasting. I mean, at least as a private podcaster, but Um, You know, even in academia, nobody tells me, like, I have to research X. Um, They barely teach me I have to teach something. (laughs) So I have a lot of freedom. And it's so wonderful. This is such a great life. It's such a great career to be able to just, you know, I'm interested in something. I'm going to spend some time talking about it. And a lot of the topics that we covered in Mere Rhetoric, especially at the beginning, were topics that, you know, there was a book I wanted to read. And I read it and I got to talk to people about it after I read it. So, um, this is a fun trivia fact, probably our first, I don't know, 60 episodes are all books from my comps. You know, they were all books that were on the reading list I needed, uh, for my prospectus. And so I said, well, if I'm going to read it, you know, I might as well give someone else the quick and dirty about it. So, um, it, it really became a way for me to digest what I was reading and to uh, help share it with somebody else. And so that's where a lot of the topics come from. And they are things that I'm interested in, um, things I wanted to read and being able to share it with others. Now, since the podcast has gotten a little more traction, I do in my podcast ask people to send me, you know, if you're a topic they want to talk about. And so I actually keep a, a spreadsheet um, where I have all the topics that I've um, gotten requests for, or that I want to do, and then I have a little check mark if I've written it, and then another check mark if I've recorded it, and another check mark if I've pu- if I've published it. And so I have sort of those four columns going on. And there are some topics that people have sent in that I haven't gotten around to yet, um, and there are some things that I'm interested in that I haven't finished yet. I have a suite about the other eight um, attic orators, because you always hear about the 10 attic orators, but mostly we focus just on, on, on two of them, the two famous ones. And so it's been fun kind of to get into those other eight. I haven't finished that suite yet. Um, so all, all of my topics I'm very excited about. I do wish I had more time for them. I've had some pretty bad uh, health the past uh, two or three years. And I've had two kids <laughs> in the past three years. So um, that's definitely taken some time for me. Uh, I moved to a new institution and had some uh, obligations there that I had to do. That's taken some time. So every topic I'm super passionate about, but every topic I wish I had more time for.
0: Mm-hmm. You have no idea how closely that parallels the question about what, who's your dream guest that I give to my, my other, um, interviewees. It's very close, not wanting to pick a favorite topic and and declare this is my thing. Okay. Um, so then I guess now we take a turn toward the technical, um, what equipment did you start with when you started podcasting?
1: Okay. Yeah, this, um, yeah. Uh, so l- this question and the next question about the equipment I use now are sort mm-hmm. of intertwined. And in fact, it's not like a straight linear, like, no, I get better equipment. It was, I actually had a little bit of a, a hump where what I started with and what I'm using now is the same. Um, so like I said, telling the, you know the story of how I got into podcasting, it was something I wanted to do. I actually asked other people to make this podcast <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't think I was equipped for it. Uh, physically in terms of equipment and also in terms of skills I'm not an especially technical person I mean I know how to use my VCR level of things but I've never been like a huge early adapter I often have to ask my brother for computer support Um, so I didn't think I was really qualified and so I would actually talk to my friends who were doing digital rhetorics and multimodal rhetoric and be like hey Somebody should make a short form podcast, topically based, getting into rhetorical theory and history. And I actually tried to get like three or four other people to make this podcast because I didn't think I was qualified. Um, But finally, when I was in grad school, I said, you know what? Like, I think I can do this. And so I scheduled an appointment to talk with somebody who I knew did a food podcast, one of those digital rhetoric people who was at grad school with me at UT Austin. And I talked with him about, you know, 15 minutes about what software he uses. And he recommended, um, that I use audacity to do my editing with, um, he showed me some different options with mics and stuff. And he said, but honestly, if you wanted to, you could really use your phone, um, at the time. And so I said, okay, you know, I guess I could do this. So I really, I shoe strung it together, um, cheap as free. Um, I originally would record on my phone and I started recording. This is a tip from Cynthia Self, actually, with a blanket over my head just to create that dampening space. And so I would get into a little tent with my phone and I would record and then I would download it onto my computer and use Audacity to edit. Um, Over time, computer speakers got better. So I was able to cut out that step of recording with my phone and just record it straight onto my MacBook Air. Again, I would often toss a blanket over my head, especially if I was recording with AC, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Um, Recording in a car is actually another good sound booth. Uh, If you think about it, a lot of times when you're in a car, you don't hear a lot of the noise outside. So if you can go to like a parking garage or something with your car, that works as a pretty good sound booth. Um, And Audacity has a lot of really cool features in it. Um, As you probably know, they have um, some sound reduction features. They have um, some good editing tools that you can use, fade in and fade out. I use in my podcast um, and cut the other shoestring thing that I I learned over time. This is a good, you know, here's a little pro tip for life for your listeners. Uh, I used to, when I edited, listen to it over and over and over again to try to find where's the place where I need to cut. But usually, I know when I'm making a mistake, like when I say something that's wrong. Um, and so, I, what I started doing, and I'm going to warn you about this, it's going to be a little bit loud. <laughs> um, I clap three times loudly. I just go. And I can see that in the squiggles of my recording. And so, I can go back to where I see that spike. And that's where I know that's the place where I need to edit. So, if I stumble my words or if i say socrates instead of a socrates or something like that i might just go wait hold on and i have that those three claps that i can go to and edit um whatever was near it so that really got me through a lot and that shoestring uh strategy and like i said that's what i use now um it's pretty good uh it's pretty adequate i like to think of it as like having a steak at a barbecue, like it's good. It's a good steak. But for about a year and a half, I had like the steakhouse experience. (laughs) Um, When I was at UT, I got a grant through their humanities department to be able to record the podcast in an actual sound studio. They were really pushing to try to get more content uh, associated with their humanities department. I had two student employees in the booth, who were able to adjust levels and um, add sound effects, which I really loved that they were able to add sound effects in. Um, And that was like, that was like the steakhouse. That was the premium. That was the, you know, $100 steak version of recording. And they did all the editing for me and they were just wonderful and bless them. Jacob in the booth, wherever you are now, (laughs) thank you. Um, When I came to my new institution after grad school, they didn't have those resources. They, have, they do have a, a television studio that they were trying to have a section for sound studio, but actually it's right next to an air conditioning unit. There's a big window, and so you get a lot of noise from the window. And I prefer to record in my car or underneath my blanket than the, the space that they have for me there. Uh, I did get a student intern for one semester, um, but you know, really mostly I prefer to do it myself. With a student intern, it was cool to work with him, but I felt like it was more a teaching experience for me where I was able to show him how to do podcasts and how podcasts work and how to, um, you know, edit and think about them than really that it was uh, that same steakhouse experience that I had when I had dedicated student employees who were really uh, first rate at their stuff. So, Really long answer to answer both of your questions. I mm-hmm. started on a shoestring budget. I'm back on a shoestring budget. It's fine. It's great. Um it's adequate. Uh really the, the the quality of speakers and microphones we have now, even just embedded in really basic things, are great. I am so grateful that I had that peak where I had the um the steakhouse experience of having the great speakers, the great um, student employees, the great equipment, the wonderful microphone. That was wonderful. Um, I wish I had that forever, but you can you can do a podcast without waiting around until you have the perfect equipment, I guess, is kind of kind of what I want to make sure that your listeners understand.
0: It's a that's a fantastic answer. Uh, What I'm hearing there is that you can do a podcast no matter what the circumstances are, Um, And it it can be just as good on a shoestring as it might be in that steakhouse experience, uh, at least for you.
1: Yeah. Well, and like the key thing is content. Right. And I I knew what I wanted to do and I was really excited about the content and I was scared by the technology. You know, I was intimidated that I wouldn't have the right equipment. I wouldn't have the right skills. And that held me back from doing it for, you know, two or three years when I might have started earlier. Once I had the confidence to just do it with what I had and get started and not let perfect be the enemy of good, um, just go for it, you know, try it out. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something else.
0: So uh, what are your thoughts about the R.L. mode um, and and its place in composition in the classroom and and maybe academia or business tech writing, whatever whatever your uh, zone is, uh, where do you see your um, the oral mode of communication involved in, in what it is that you do in the classroom? So I,
1: I, I do teach a freshman writing class. I teach a business writing class. I teach advanced writing. I teach a, um, a rhetoric of pop culture and um, writing of the humanities. So, yeah, all of the above. <laughs> um, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, I guess, the holistic system that your students exist in. So the school that I'm at right now, University of Houston at Clear Lake, we actually have a pretty robust public speaking program. And our um, first year students are required to take public speaking. Um, Not every place is like that. And I've certainly required uh, class presentations um, in all of my classes. I think there's a lot to to be learned about Helping people to to learn how to do that uh class presentation's broadly defined you know this also includes YouTube videos, podcasts. I've had students do also um sort of under the umbrella of composition, you know what composition is it It doesn't just have to be alphabetic also, you know we kind of had this weird divorce in our discipline between composition and communication, right which is funny. Cause like when we think about like four C's, right? Like our big conference, like one of those C's is communication, but a lot of times communication has kind of shuffled into often it's its own department. Um, this sort of media studies starts to go into it. And so our field is so I mean, cross disciplinary isn't even really the word multidisciplinary, a disciplinary. Um, I don't know. We're like little beggars and thieves and, lenders and everything from our discipline goes in and out of all these other different disciplines and so in terms of teaching I think you kind of have to look at what the whole picture is what are your students getting in other classes what are they not getting anywhere else you know if they don't get it in your class they might just not get it there are some students who are awesome who will go out and read wikipedia and go down the rabbit hole but sometimes they just won't um And so, for example, you mentioned business writing, my business writing students, I do a mock interview with them. And at first I felt a little bit like, is this really, you know, like the purview of business writing specifically, the name of the class is written communication in business. And so I was like, and so I was sort of hedging it by saying, okay, there's a lot of writing preparation you do before an interview. Like you should write out sample questions you might get, write out sample answers you might get. But mostly, I realized if they didn't do a mock interview in my class, there was no other place where they would do a mock interview. Um, and mock interviews, as you probably know, are just so useful um, in helping somebody before they get to the actual thing. Mm-hmm. And they could go to our counsel, uh, career center and do a mock interview on their own, but they just they weren't doing it in any of their other business classes. And so I said, you know, if it doesn't come anywhere else, it's got to be here. And contrast that to the freshman experience where I think in my freshman classes, I've pulled back a little bit from oral communication because I know they're doing such a great job in the public speaking class, um, helping them with presentations and extemporaneous speech and all sorts of stuff that they're really, you know, getting in those other classes. So I can't say like definitively what is the place of oral communication in any of these fields or any of these classes because it kind of has to do with the whole Um, May you in which the the students are existing at that time.
0: That's a fantastic answer. (laughs) Um, So then uh, a little context for the next question. My students will be creating their very first podcast in my new media rhetorics class this week, this uh, fall. And um, many of them are going to be brand new to it. They have no context whatsoever other than phone calls and things like, you know, what, what does it take to make a podcast? Um, what advice other than the blanket, which is a great tip and having a nice uh, secure space to do their, their recording in uh, what is another uh, one of those down and dirty tips for podcasting on a shoestring for my students who have no experience.
1: I think, um, and this is, yeah. Okay. So my, my top tricks, the blanket, the car, You know, you can probably do more with your phone or your computer than you think you can. Clapping as when you know that you need to edit something. Those are probably like my best like technical tips. But I think also um, write it out before you do it. I originally just sort of had like some bullet points and my podcast was pretty extemporaneous. But then as I started to have a bigger audience, I knew that I needed to have um, ADA accessibility Uh, for people who, you know, are hard of hearing or are deaf, um, or just want to go back and say, you know, what was the name of that Greek person whose name sounded like a bunch of gibber? And so I started actually writing it out um, word for word. And when I wrote it out word for word, um, I started putting notes for myself inside of that script, so to speak, So if I wanted to have a dramatic pause, I would put ellipses. If there's something I wanted to say loudly, I would write it in all caps. Um, It looks a little bit different than if it was just like a blog post or an article. Um, And so really writing out what the words are, things like that. Um, Going back to those Greek people who have funny names, uh, writing out what their names are phonetically. Not like that you need to know the phonetic alphabet, but like, you know, where do you put the emphasis, you know, which letters are silent, things like that. I had to sometimes, you know, practice names before I would like do the podcast or like just say their name over and over and over again so that I could get used to these, you know, unusual names in my mouth or terms. Uh, yeah. So writing it out phonetically in that script is really useful. So, um, yeah, speaking of the connection between written and oral communication, I, I I do think there's a lot to be said for writing it out beforehand.
0: So write a script and practice your script and code your script. Those are those are three all in one. <laughs> so then, um, one other technical, I guess, um, bit of uh, knowledge that we w- I would like to touch on is how important do you think uh, for the beginning podcaster again, that file organization is to a podcaster or content creator.
1: Yeah, um, two two opposite answers to that. On one hand, yes, it is extremely important. <laughs> As I said, uh, I do keep a, a, a spreadsheet. I have an Excel sheet where I list, you know, topics, whether I've written them, whether I've recorded them, whether I've published them. Because sometimes I'll have time to. Write it out, but I don't have time to actually sit down, be quiet in a quiet space, and record it. Um, so I'll have more things written than I have recorded, and then I'll have more things recorded that haven't been edited and published yet, right? So then I can keep track of which things are in process. And sometimes, looking at that spreadsheet, I can say, "Oh my gosh, here's one that I have recorded, but I haven't had time to edit yet." I can just edit that and you know pop that out on the internet, and I'll be ready to go. So. Uh, Having that organization has been very, very, very useful for me. The opposite answer (laughs) is, thankfully, um, my MacBook Air knows that I'm going to be a disorganized person a little bit. And so being able to use the search function and search for the title of my file or even um, because I have the script, uh, some of the key terms that I know are in the file. So, for example... Um, you know, I have several podcasts that are going to mention Aristotle. So I can go through and search for okay, where do I have in my mere rhetoric folder, where do I have all my Aristotle podcasts? You know, oh, here's one that's about on rhetoric. Oh, here's one that's comparing um, the Protagoras to Aristotle, you know, or something like that. you know, so I, I I can see where I have crossover between these different topics through the wonders of machine. Learning and search. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, do what you can to organize. Um, do keep keep track of things, but uh there are some really great ways that computers can help you to organize better.
0: So then in addition to good good file storage and file organization, we also can think about things like um, keywords, um, hashtags, remembering the, the intertextuality of what it was that was in that thing that you're looking for. So you can search those keywords as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I do, you know, like, I, I mean, I'm not entirely unorganized in where I keep my files. I do, I do have a mirror rhetoric file and I do have, you know, the audio files and the written scripts in that file. Um, I also, like you said, you mentioned hashtags. So things that are part of a suite, so like my eight attic orators, the other eight, they're all labeled other eight and then whatever it is. When I had that steakhouse experience of being able to have like a real recording studio, I re-recorded a lot of my podcasts and I marked them with the tag new and improved. So we have, you know, the the older version of a podcast, say, about Habermas. And then I have my new and improved version about Habermas. And so that way I can tell, you know, which was the one that has the better audio quality.
0: Okay, here it is. The, the hypothetical question. So you have developed a time machine or come into a, uh, the possession of a time machine. It can only go to one place. It's going to go back to uh, the... The moment before you walk into the first place to make your first podcast, and it will only be there for one minute, <laughs> so you get to go visit Mary before she starts to do her first podcast. And with um, but a short bit of advice before the time machine leaves again, uh, what would you tell Mary before she begins this trick?
1: I think. Just don't be scared, you know. Don't be intimidated by this. It's absolutely something you can do, you know. Uh, keep experimenting. You'll figure figure out what works for you. Obviously, you know there there are technical tips and tricks, but a lot of it is just, you know, figuring out what works for you and not not being afraid, not being intimidated by it. And I think your students are so lucky that they're going to be in a position where they're you're kind of pushing them down the slide a little bit to help them to see how fun it is um, when they might be apprehensive to do it by themselves. And just breaking that uh, insecurity of trying something new. Podcasting is absolutely something that anybody can approach successfully.
0: So then here at the end of our interview, uh, is there anything that I uh, should have asked you? Is there anything that you would like to add?
1: Um. I don't know. It's like, I'm really glad that I had this opportunity because I've been thinking about it, you know, all week, uh, how fun the podcast is, you know, how much I really like it and um, just what a joy it's been in my life. And I can't believe I I took so long to get started. Um, I can't believe how hard it is now to find the time to do it when it's something that I, I do truly. I enjoy. I enjoy a lot. Um, I always feel a little bit of guilt that I'm not publishing as regularly as I used to, but there's just so much pleasure in it. There's so much pleasure in doing it and hearing the feedback. I love, I, for the first time in ages, since you asked me to to do this interview, I actually went through and started looking at some of the reviews on iTunes and it's just, you know, it's just heartwarming (laughs) really to see people say, Oh, you know, this podcast helped me get through my own comps, you know, or, This was just the thing I needed in grad school. And this is what I listen to on my commute. And it's so fun. And it's just, wow, like what a, I mean, ego boost for starters, but like how cool to see that this thing that I really enjoy, other people are really enjoying too. And it's just so fun. It's so fun. (laughs) I'm so excited for you on, on, on this podcast about podcasts. I'm excited for your students to have the opportunity to get involved in it.
0: Well thank you very much for taking the time to uh, have the interview with me. I do appreciate it very much and I appreciate your time and I hope that to hear lots more mere rhetoric in the future.
1: You and me both.